This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host today, my partners in crime. Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of Derek there. I had to copy him. Brock Davis and Nate Green. Brock, first, how you doing, my guy? Doing good, man. Got off of work this morning, swung by the post office. You know you're ordering way too much stuff online when you look at a package and you're like, what? What is this? I don't what what i don't remember ordering this and then you open it and you're like oh yeah yeah, okay yeah i remember ordering this i had that i had that happen at the beginning of quarantine when i i was uh when everybody had that video challenge when they were trying to hit a ping pong ball into a cup i bought ping pong balls and i looked i was like when i buy ping pong balls (laughs) i bought like a hundred pack of ping pong balls and yeah i was like well i don't remember this but all right well it works Yeah, so I've been, I've been ordering an excessive amount of things online, <laughs> especially because I just bought a new truck uh, a couple months ago, and I've just been putting a dumb amount of money into it. So, <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. So, Nate Green, how you doing? Fantastic. Love talking Angel baseball. Heck yeah, baseball, baseball, baseball. And let's start off with a question here. First off, I'll start with Nate because me and you talked about this a little bit, and I'll give Brock a second or two to think about it. Who helps out the Angels more in 2021 if they were to sign him? Jake Odorizzi or Roberto Azuna? Nate, what do you got on that? I'm, I'm huge on Roberto Azuna. I think he helps the Angels out tremendously. I mean, we already we talked about the Angels starting rotation. It's somewhere between four and seven in the American League. Their bullpen has a lot of question marks, and I think Osuna, a healthy Osuna really, really deepens that bullpen and allows them to move some of the uh, – some of the guys out of some some roles into some easier roles for them. So I, I think Osuna really helps them. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. I I I brought this up because I posted it on Twitter a couple nights ago and got 600 votes on it. So it wasn't like it was a uh, any like not like all of Twitter voted on it, but I mean 600 votes is 600 votes, and it got 80% towards Jake Odorizzi and 20% towards Roberto Azuna. And I was like, what? That seems a little bit. That seems a little bit off. So. Brock, you have any input on this little subject I, I wanted to bring up? Uh, I do, but I don't know if you guys or the listeners are going to like what I have to say about it. Well, I mean, we're, so, here, we're here for hot takes, so I, I don't mind it. You know, it, it's one of those It's things. not necessarily a hot take, but I'm, I'm, I'm playing off the fact that he, the whole alleged domestic dispute situation. I personally care more 
be, being an Angels fan and being a lifelong Angels fan, I feel like we've we've a majority of the time been an organization that doesn't have players that are involved in antics ever. Like any time that we've had anybody that has been in some sort of issue, like they've been they've been gone. And we, you know, like Aroldis Chapman, uh, Roberto Asuna, just any anybody who's been involved in any domestic type issue or any PED issue. Uh, I think the only one that we've ever really had that even comes close to that criteria is Josh Hamilton. And at the time when he was playing, he wasn't having those issues. He just had a relapse towards the end of his career. So I wouldn't really count him too much because that stuff was supposed to be long gone. You know, well before he was even considered to be uh, uh, by the Angels. So for me, I I think both of us, both of them would help tremendously in different ways. And I think they would move around pieces in different ways. But I haven't done much research into how solid the story is behind that domestic dispute thing. All I know is that you know he got accused of it. He was suspended for seventy five games, and that's kind of. All we got to it because the victim wasn't willing to testify for whatever reason. So whether that be because it wasn't true or for whatever reason that may be, she didn't want him to get in more trouble than he already did get in. I don't know, but I take character into consideration a little bit more than I do production. I'd rather have Jake Odorizzi, who hasn't had that type of character under his belt, and give us two-and-a-half war then I would Roberto Asuna out there and give us two war in the bullpen. And that's just, I'm a very, I value my values a lot and my ethics and all those things. And I care way more about character and personality than I do about production. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I get where you're coming from. I, I totally, I totally do. And it brings the kind of the whole conversation in circle to an extent. I mean, what do you believe in more do you believe in morals or do you want to win more? And that's when it gets tough. It really, really, really does. That's that's like one of the hardest things. Not for things. me. I, oh, well, I, I think, no, I mean, if you were in Artie Moreno or if you were in the GM situation and you said, hey, my job's on the line or whether or not I sign Roberto Azuna or whether or not I don't sign Roberto Azuna, I think it becomes a lot more difficult. I think from a fan perspective, it's easy to say that, oh, Azuna has that past, so I don't, I don't want him. I think it's super easy to say that, but you you get put I in. I think a, it's easier to say as Marino. I don't think. Honestly, so. I don't think I so. Do. No, I I I would have to disagree with you there because how, how badly do you want to put a winning team on the table? Like you look at you look at. I mean, you brought up Rolls Chapman. He's on the Yankees. I'm sure the Yankees looked at it and were like, "All right, well, there's that." And he did his time, and now you know you know he's been in rehab. He's been in this. He's been in that. Whatever he did. So now we can put a winning ball club on the table, and he can he can produce for that winning ball club. And the same goes He's for Julio. The two most important saves of their franchise. That's it's fair, but he yeah, also but... he also won a World Series with the Cubs. And Nate, I'll get to you in a second. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, I don't know, one hundred percent. You look at the Dodgers had no problem running Julio Arias out to win the World Series last year. No problem running Julio Arias yeah. out. I know, but we're we're not the Dodgers, and we're not the. Yankees. Those are people who care more about money and winning than they do about about character on the field. And that that's just that's just what I'm saying is if if we sign Asuna, then that is a statement proceeding forward that we don't care about those things anymore. And I think that that would be compromising everything that 
the Angels franchise has been built around from the get-go. We've always liked people and, and, and players that are built around a good character and a good attitude on and off the field. I don't ever remember anybody really that had an attitude problem or, or a clubhouse issue um, where people were talking about how they were a piece of crap or disrespectful to coaching staff. Like we've had passionate people like Weaver and Lackey, you know, those types of characters. But I don't think we've ever really had anybody that, you know, was getting in fights with other players or fights with the coaching staff or actually having some sort of physical aggression or, or bad behavior off the field that would compromise that character of the angels that we've upheld over years and years and years. And I think that if we sign somebody that has that past, that wasn't even that long ago, then it's, it's a statement going forward that it's, it's going to become the new precedent. And I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about that, that it's, you know, you sign one, then it, it just makes the next one that much easier. Well, they got over it last time when we signed Asuna, so we'll just sign this one too. And I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm not really going to care that much. But when you bring it up to a question, you know, for me, it's an easy answer. But at the end of the day, like, it's going to be pretty easy for us to forget about it if, if it brings us to a championship. But I don't know, man. It's I take a lot of pride in the Angels not, not having people on their team that are, that are pieces of crap. And that's just that's just honest honesty of, you know, I've always felt that way, that we've always put very good human beings out on that field that really, truly care about the game and don't that have a good moral character. And, and that's what that when I say the Angels, the Los Angeles the Angels of Anaheim, that's what I picture is good human beings with a good moral character busting their busting their butts out there on that field to to win ballgames. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get into this this much more. I, I didn't think this this question would get into this type of argument here early. <laughs> to be honest, I just I, I just wanted to kind of ask the question and see what your guys' thought, thoughts were on it. But yeah, I mean, it, it, you bring up interesting points, and I mean, I I don't I can't agree, I can't disagree. I'm not I'm not in that situation to agree or disagree because you have first off, I mean, you have fans out there. I'm not saying Roberto Azuna is the difference between winning and losing, but when you have the mindset between winning and morals. It's tough to go and complain about the Angels not winning. You know, it's tough to go say that. Like, I don't want to hear anybody complain about, I don't want to hear that 80% complain about winning anymore that answered that question because of the fact that now you're saying that you don't want to add a player because of his past, in a sense. And not, I'm not saying that that's, that's really the case, but... I mean, winning cures a lot. I think I think that's the kind of the moral of this. You look at the two players that we mentioned, Rolls Chapman and Julio Urias, the reason why stuff in their past doesn't get brought up is because of the fact that they're on winning ball clubs. The Angels aren't a winning and ball club at the moment. And they weren't associated with the uh, most trash team in MLB history. That... It's fair. That's that. That's also fair. But yeah, I. I mean, it's. I, I. I didn't want this conversation to get into this. This whole type of thing. And yeah, because we have a much better show planned. And I. I kind of just want to take a right hand turn into all of that. You know, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the conversation that we just had. I really. I really do. I think it opens up a lot of 
eyes. I think it's an interesting, it's a very difficult question when you break it down and it depends on who you're talking to. It, it really, really does. Like you talk to one person, they're like, hell no, I don't want this player because of their past. You talk to another player or you talk to another person, it's like, well, I mean, do you want to win? You want to lose? And you talk to another person. I mean, I think that it's just completely different answers from everybody. So guys, without further ado, we have a real fun show, fun rest of the show plan for you guys. I know that was a fun topic, but fun show, fun rest of the show plan for you guys. A lot of interesting stuff. Spring training has started. We got some, I guess, a little bit of Otani news and such like that. But guys, first, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it so you can get notifications of when a new podcast comes out. And of course, follow us on all our social medias on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can follow myself at Jared underscore Tim's on Twitter. You can follow Brock at BDROX8. And you can follow Nate Green at NateGreen34. If you had any questions or comments regarding the show, you know, just want to say hi to us or something like that, please send us a message at any of our social medias or you can email us at TalkingHalos at gmail.com. And first, before we get going any further... Give us a second to pay the bills. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, personalized, Q&As of Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and you name all the other ones. You got them. Okay? The best part is you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, guys, enough with all of the introductions. Let's get this show rolling and talk a little bit of baseball. I know we had a little bit of baseball talk before, you know, the whole introduction thing, but kind of want to jump right into it. You know, not a whole lot of news going on, you know, that we have to talk about. But want to get into our, I guess I'll just start calling it Otani Corner. Otani Talk? I think we'll just go Otani Talk. Nobody really gave me any ideas for it. So Otani Time. Otani Time. I like that. I don't think anybody's using that yet. So let's just get it right into Otani Time. Because, like I said, Otani's a huge part of the season. I think he is the most crucial player in this season, whether he pitches, whether he hits. It looks like he's going to pitch Thursday or Friday. That's, that is the word. I'm hoping it's going to be Thursday so we can talk about it on a Friday podcast and see where that goes, but Otani hit in his first game on Monday, went two for two, and I don't know, do we, anybody see his at-bats? Do we like him? Does, is, do we see any changes to his swing this early in spring? Uh, I think his first at-bat, it was kind of a kind of a weak sauce hit, uh, but his second at-bat, I liked, I liked the contact that he made on, on his second at-bat, but I think, I think he looks good. I think the biggest difference that I've noticed is that I think all of us could agree that last year you can tell that something was just off with him at the plate. Like you can tell his confidence was just plummeted. Like you could just see it in him. It was the weirdest thing. Like when he went up to the bat, you were just like, dude, what's what's wrong with Shohei? Like he's he looks weird. Like you couldn't really explain it, but he just looked like head down, like 
defeated before he even came up to the plate. Like it just was a weird vibe every time he came up, and you just didn't feel confident as as you, as you were watching it that he was gonna he was gonna get up there and get a hit. Not like how Trout walks up there with the swagger, and everybody's kind of you know that pitchers say that they're not you know they're not supposed to be scared of hitters when they come up to the plate. You're not scared of anybody, dude. Every pitcher is scared when Trout comes up to the plate. Like regardless, and you just didn't get that vibe from Otani when he came up to the plate. He just looked defeated, and he looked like an easy target. But I feel like you got a little bit of a different vibe. You get like a comeback vibe. Like he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's ready to come back. And and I liked it. I, I liked his uh, the way he presented himself in the uh, in the at bats that I saw him. So that's what that's what I got from it. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that having a renewed sense of encouragement knowing you're not hurt at the moment, you know, knowing that you can keep your mind off of things. You don't just have to worry about hitting. You can also worry about pitching and doing that once a week, I think is a big thing for Shohei Otani. I think that he needs all of that he can get. He can, he needs it. He needs everything that he can get. He really, he really does. Cause I think he's a thinker in a sense. I've never talked to him. I've never met him, but I, I do believe that he's a thinker. And and being a thinker is not a bad thing in, in any way, but again, I think that he's a thinker, and I think that if he gets in his head too much, it begins to start being an issue, and I think we saw it last year. So the less that he has to think, the better, and I think that has to do with a lot of players too. Like, baseball isn't a thinking man's game when you're playing it. When now, when you become a coach, you start thinking, and it, it starts sucking, when you start thinking too much, but yeah, I, I think that as a player, you have to stay away from the thinking aspect of the game, and I think that's where Otani really suffered. I think the mental side of the game really got to him, and I, like I've said before, I think there were some injuries involved that we don't know about as well, but it's besides the point, but yeah, Nate, I mean, we can't go a show without talking about Shohei Otani. How do you feel about how he's looked this spring so far? It's true, we can't. Um, I, I really like this swing. Um, the biggest thing that I saw last year is he was really leaking his front side. Um, and it looks like his front side stand a little bit closed a little bit longer. It's not leaking as early. I know he hasn't seen a lefty yet. He saw two righties yesterday. Um, but he definitely was able to keep his front side closed a little bit longer without starting to leak towards first base. So I think that's an encouraging sign. I think that's going to allow him to to keep his power to all fields, and, and he'll get back to being the Otani we saw his rookie year. Yeah, and that's that's a huge thing. I really do think it is. And again, I mean, this season's about Otani. You might as well call the Angels the Shohei Otanis of Anaheim. Like, I, I honestly believe that. Like, I'm going to preach that all the way up until opening day, into opening day, and through opening day. I mean, it, it it's it's all about Otani this year. I mean, we can talk Trout. We can talk Rendon. We know what they're going to do. It's not, it's not the question marks there. You know, it's all about what Shohei Otani is going to do. And I think what players are going to do, this is a good segment into our next next thing because I asked on Instagram if anybody had any questions, comments, and um, egordon909 said, if Pujols leaves, who's the candidate for first base? And at the moment, that's Jared Walsh. But after Jared Walsh, what direction do you go to? And I'll start with Brock on this one. Brock, where do you go after Jared Walsh at first base? I mean, I think our only option that's on our current roster is Matt Dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I, I actually, we won't get crazy into this because I think it leads into another conversation. But I got my eye on someone in the American League East that's on a terrible organization. 
currently that I think could be a possible fit for our 2022 or maybe even late 2021 roster. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Chris Davis. Trey Mancini. Nope. Trey Mancini. I knew it was Trey Mancini. I, I was just messing with you on Chris Davis. Come on. But, yeah, no, I... I mean, I, dude, if, if he could come back to form, I mean, yikes. But, yeah, I mean, Trey Mancini, dude, he plays left, he plays right, he plays first. Um, so he could possibly fill a hole. You know, Fowler comes up short, he could fill the hole in right. If Walsh comes up short, we could have him fill the hole at first. He's pretty cheap. He has the power ability. Um obviously an awesome human being overcoming cancer in in the middle of, of playing baseball. And, and I don't know, you know, hopefully he could come back to his true form this season. Cause I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't play a single game last year. Correct. Correct. No, he didn't. Yeah. So, um, you know, God only knows how he's going to come back, but you know, beating cancer and in, in the middle of, you know, trying to play professional baseball and, and still training and doing all that other stuff. He's a determined and motivated guy. So, I think he'd be a great fit in our organization, and he's really the only solid piece that they, you know, maybe they have one or two other guys that that are solid pieces that, that have a future on that team, but, um, you know, it's the Orioles, dude. So I, I would definitely, and we've already dealt, um, we've gotten dealt two other, or three Orioles players in the last year. Yep. So obviously we have a tie, and that was that was another big thing that I thought about too is, we clearly have a good relationship with Baltimore. So um, I, I could definitely see some sort of uh, deal going with Mancini and, and even to say it's possible that, um, you know, and I don't really know what their motivation would be behind it, but maybe even a um, Upton type deal, who knows. But either way, I think that Mancini could possibly be a, a sleeper trade that a lot of guys might not think about. Um for us to fill an outfield or first base hole. Yeah, and an excellent story there, and you're opening up a new can of worms when you say Justin Upton to the Orioles type of thing, and I'm not even going to get into that right now, but I Trey Mancini is the man. Even before everything happened, I, I love Trey Mancini, you know? So the fact that, you know, the whole story with him overcoming cancer and everything like that makes it even better and makes me want him even more on the angels so yeah nate you got anything on this subject do you have like i mean i i have no like i've talked about this off the record with with people about who they think would be first base would play first base if walsh didn't be walsh again like if he decides to hit 220 or something like that and is actually a 36th or 39th rounder wherever the angels got him so nate do you have any other options than this yeah, no, I just think it's it's Walsh's position to lose, and until he loses it, I don't see anyone else taking it from him. Um, the interesting guy to, to look out for, uh, Anthony Rizzo. Great clubhouse guy. I know we talked about this last time. Team culture being a big deal with the Angels. Joe and him have a great relationship. Great team culture guy. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Cubs are kind of looking to rebuild a little bit. Uh, that would be the one guy to look out for. I, I think that would be a interesting piece to, to go get another guy, another Cub guy to go get with Joe Madden. Yeah, and kind of weird, you know, that we bring up both Rizzo and Trey Mancini, both cancer survivors too. Kind of interesting there. I don't, I don't know, like that. No, just a ran- yeah, kind of a random point there to throw out, throw out there. You know, not that it has anything to do with anything, but. Yeah, and I mean, as far as current depth goes for the for the Angels at first base, I mean, we mentioned Matt Thice, Scott Schebler, um, 
Isabel, uh, I'm going to butcher his name because I suck at it, um, Ibandel Isabel, I think is how you say it, down the minors, Gareth Morgan, you know, we're going to see them crush like a, a combined, I'm not kidding, they can combine to probably hit 90 home runs if in Salt Lake City this year, and it's going to be a, a lot of fun to see it, and fans are going to be like, oh, why aren't these guys up, and there's other reasons behind that, because they probably can't field, they probably can't hit for average, and Salt Lake, the ball flies out of there like Colorado, so... I think besides that, Brandon Marsh is an option at first base at some point. I think that that absolutely kills what his value in a sense. I think that he's a he's an outfielder. I think he's a center fielder. I think he's Trout's replacement in a sense when Trout goes to right field. I, I don't know when that's going to be. But yeah, I, I think you have to look at Brandon Marsh being a first baseman as well to some degree. So I, I don't know. It was a good question that was brought up and I felt like kind of need to be addressed at, at the moment. So hopefully we don't have to get to that point. Hopefully Walsh goes out and hits 25 home runs, plays good defense, and, you know, hits well and gets on base. I really I really hope that's the case. So one last... I do see Rizzo being a more a more realistic replacement rather than Mancini. I, I didn't even think about Rizzo. That's that's a, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, and, and I, I like Seems kind of realistic. Yeah, and like I said, I'm hoping that we don't have to get to this point. I hope Walsh is kind of that guy. You know, he's in his prime right now. He's cheap. Hopefully, he, he, Angels can get four years out of him or so. I mean, I know that's that's a stretch and everything, but with the adjustments he made last year, I could totally see it happening. So, one last question here from uh, I'm gonna butcher this one. Matt Carline, 27, I think is how you say it. I'm sorry if I butchered that. How does Trout improve defensively? Nate, I think you're more of this type of guru. What do you think defensively Trout needs to improve on, or how do you think he improves on it? This is a really tough question, honestly, because I think the reason why Trout's defense has been a little below average is because he's had to cover the entire outfield. I mean, if we're going to be realistic, Justin Upton is not that great defensively. He's having to cover left and center. Um, but the biggest thing for him is just getting good reads. I think that's why he's able to make some of these really good plays is because he sees the ball off the bat. But there are some plays where he just doesn't get a great read on like those little flares and stuff like that. So just getting really good reads should help him improve. But also just getting some guys around him that, that know how to play defense is going to help him improve tremendously because he's just going to be free to play center field and not like the bad news bears where it's like, hey, any ball in the air, you better catch, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you there. I think that once you get, I know Adele hasn't been the best right fielder out there. I know we saw him make a mistake already early in spring. But when you get Adele to the left of him or to the right of him and you get Marsh to the left or to the right of him before you make that switch, I, I think that the defense gets better just because you don't have to worry about ground being covered. You, you have two young guys to the right and to the left of you that are fast and that can cover ground and that have good arms, so you don't have to worry about it as much. So, yeah, I could definitely see the defense improving once Upton's gone and once you have an actual right fielder. I think Dexter Fowler might help out a little bit too out there in right field with the leadership in the outfield in a sense. But, yeah, I think only time will tell. So let's just get on to our final thoughts here. Brock, do you have any final thoughts working into our first week of spring training? Uh, No, not really. I don't. I'm... Uh... They haven't come out with today's lineup yet, but hopefully Rendon's in it. I want to see see what he's uh, what he's got cooking in uh, the spring so far. I'm pretty sure I have an idea of what he's got, but uh, <laughs> just want to see it again because I'm excited to see it again. 
and uh, I'm excited to see Heaney throw tonight. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun and a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about moving forward for us. I know you know we haven't been talking a lot about you know spring training, but it's hard to get reads on everybody when it's just the first week and what's going on. I mean, I know we've had a couple injuries with Reyes and all that, and we'll see what happens. And Claudio's been hurt. Oh, Iglesias smacked one. Iglesias looked real good. I I I think that that's going to be real fun to watch this year, defensively and offensively. He could be better than Andrew and Simmons, though Andrew and Simmons is an absolute wizard, and I hate that he's not an angel anymore. He's still going to be one of my favorite favorite players to go out and watch. I, I'm going to watch him in Minnesota, and he's going to dazzle. It's going to be a lot of fun there. So, Nate, any final thoughts? Oh, Pujols, dude. Pujols looks good. I mean, last season he may get a little energetic kick, I guess. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, he's, he's he, two RBIs, dude, two for two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it helps with the guys he has hitting in front of him, I'll tell you that much. When you can get guys on yeah. like that, and you can just hit them in, 100%. So, we'll see. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. The Angels have a good mix of young and and old talent. You know, it, it Pujols last season, technically. I hope that he gets a farewell tour. I hope, I honestly, I, I want him to announce his retirement just so that he gets the due, due diligence that he, he deserves. That he, he gets what he wants. Like, I, I hope he gets the send-off that he deserves. Because Angels fans, no offense, I don't think they'll they quite will grasp it as much. You know, Pools is one of the best players of all time. He really, he really is. When you look at baseball in general, you look at modern times. Albert Pujols is is one of those guys. I mean, Pujols, Trout, Bonds, Clemens, those type of guys. Randy Johnson, like those are just a few names that pop into my mind. Ichiro Suzuki, when we come, when we talk about these these times right now. And I, I just don't know if Angels fans quite understand just because Pujols hasn't been the dude that he was in St. Louis. So I, I, I hope that, I honestly, I want him to announce his retirement just so that he gets the send-off that he deserves. Because I know that... The only, other, the only Angels fans that won't understand that or respect that are Angels fans that weren't watching baseball early enough to understand how great he truly was. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's fair. I, 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 I do agree with that, but I just think that you know, he has a bad rap here in Anaheim because of the contract and because of how he's played, but there's so much more that goes into it. So, Nate, any... And real quick, before we move to Nate, real quick, <laughs> they showed in the game yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, but they said that through the amount of games that he played in last uh, last season and the amount of RBIs he had, that which obviously take this with a grain of salt, but in a full 162, it would have paced out to be 102 RBIs. Well, I mean, he still produces. I still think that has to do with the players that he has sitting in front of him, which are regardless, though, three of the three of the best hitters in baseball. When you look at Otani yeah. and when you look at Trout and when you look at Rendon, I think that that helps when you get those guys on in front of you. But no, you're still producing, and that that that's. I think we can. I, I want to bring this on to another another podcast on Friday. We talk about this Friday because I I think that I've had this argue. Uh, I've talked with Brent McGuire about this. Like this was the biggest like debate that not me and Brent had, but me and Brent had with fans was that, oh, you're looking at Pujols' stats and he's still producing, but look at the guys that are getting on in front of him. And I want to save that for Friday. I, I do. So remind me and we'll talk about that Friday. So Nate, good. Nate, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, to looking at the last couple roster spots. Um, I, I really am excited to see Jose Rivera. I want to see him get through his visa and see him, on the mound, see if he's got a shot to win a job. Um, also curious to watch Jesse Chavez 
and Jake Faria battle it out. I think those guys could actually make the team one of them. And I know we saw Jake throw, uh, looked pretty good in his one outing. But um, I'm excited to see those guys kind of battle it out because I think there are two bullpen spots left. And the other thing I really am excited to see is Barreto versus, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Rangifo. I think Rangifo looks like he's changed his swing. He looks a lot better. So Barreto, Rangifo, that's going to be an interesting thing. Barreto has no options left, so he's probably got the edge. But if Rangifo continues to uh, show improvements, he, he might win a job, which would be uh, interesting to see. Yep, a lot of good battles. This is what spring training is all about. The stuff that we're going to talk about throughout spring is going to be these battles, the SoCal natives you mentioned with the pitchers. I think they're both Riverside natives, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I'm 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 excited, and you know my final thoughts would be just baseball, 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 baseball. I can't say it enough. Baseball's back. I'm excited for that. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look us up, talking halos. You can follow myself at Jared underscore Tim's. You can follow Brock at B D R O X eight, and you can follow Nate at Nate Green thirty four. All those are on Twitter, guys. And thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.